Good stuff. <laughs> well, I want to welcome you to Impact Church, especially if this is your first time here. We're glad that you're here, and I want to look into the camera. Those of you that are joining us online for Church Online, we are excited that you have tuned in and that you have logged on and believe God's going to do something in your heart and in your life today. And we're in part two of a series that we've called Rhythms. And if you were here last week, we kicked off this series. And uh, if not, we'll kind of recap and catch you up to speed. But in this series, what we're talking about are three things, really. We're talking about work, rest, and worship. Everybody say work, rest, and worship. And we're trying to help ourselves out. And I mentioned to you last week, I'm learning these things in real time. And so, uh, just like I've told you before, somebody told me, always preach from your weakness and you'll never run out of things to preach about. And so, <laughs> I'm learning this in real time today uh, in the area of work, rest, and worship. And just to kind of recap last week and catch those of you up to speed, maybe you've forgotten, we talked about how, uh, how hard work is important was our first point. That we've got to work hard. We can't just look like we're working hard. How culture, we kind of have this thing now where uh, if you look like you're busy, then you seem like you're important. If you look like you have a lot going on, people will, will want to be around you. People will think that you're wise. People will think that, wow, that person is smart. That person is successful. That person has achieved a lot because they look like they have a lot going on. But that doesn't, that doesn't, does, that doesn't work that way. <laughs> You've got to work hard. And we also, we read in Colossians where, where Paul said, you need to work hard like you're working for the Lord, not for people. Now, don't disrespect your boss and go to church tomorrow and tell them, you know, I went to church yesterday, and they said that I'm really working for Jesus, not for you. And so, uh, so I'm going to listen to what he tells me to do and not what you tell me to do. I, not, I didn't tell you to do that. You need to respect your boss, and you need to respect your coworkers and, and do your job. But it says in verse 23, it says you need to work as if you're working. Do everything to the best of your ability like you're doing it for God, not for people. So you need to have it, a mindset that says I, I'm going to respect you and honor you and I'm working for you. But I'm going to do this like I'm working for God because I'll take it more seriously if I'm doing it for God. And we talked about how hard work is important. And then we also talked about how rest is just as important. Now, many of us, we got the hard work thing down, but we don't have the rest thing down. <laughs> we know how it's like, well, I'm working hard, working hard, and last week you're here, it's like point one, whoo, got it, yes, check mark. And then we got to point two where rest is just as important, and a lot of us don't rest. We don't rest, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we don't ever take a day of rest, and we believe and we obey nine of the ten commandments. But we ignore the one that says, you need a Sabbath. You need a day of rest. When God created everything on the last day, on the seventh day, he rested. It's not because God needs rest. It's because he knew, he knew that you would need rest and I would need rest. And so he modeled what our work and rest rhythm should be. And what if, we said this last week, what if we worked hard for five days and then we, we took one day and we did something fun with our family or something fun that we enjoy to do or whatever that is. Because some of us, we're walking around and we're angry and we're frustrated and we're nitpicking everything. We're mad at everybody around us, but we're really not mad at everybody around us. We just haven't done anything fun in the last four months. And because we haven't done anything fun in the last four months, we're, we're just, we're, we're at our wits end. Can't take anymore. If one more person calls me with a problem, I'm going to kill somebody. When was the last time you did something fun? So what if we worked hard for five days, we took one day and we did something fun, and then we gave one day to God? 
crazy thought. What if you what if you got your family up this morning and you came to church and you didn't know you were going to hear this, but what if you got up this morning and you came to church and and what if you went home today? What if you ate something and you went home and you did no work? Some of y'all are like, oh, <laughs> that's my problem right there. I'm talking to you. What if you what if you said, you know what, I'm going to give this day to God? And here's what happens when we do that. God can do more behind the scenes when we're honoring him with the day of rest like he set it up to be than we could do if we just kept on working and working and working and working. God can set up the appointments. God can help you meet the people. God can help you get that thing done. God can do things behind the scenes that you can't do whenever you apply his principles. It's about, it's about doing things God's way. Doing things, God, doing things God's way. And so that's what we talked about last week. And today as we wrap this up, this was just a short little two-part series that we wanted to do around this time of year. Because I think it's something that we struggle with. This area of work and rest and worship and how to balance all of that and the tension between it all. So today for part two, I want to talk to you on this subject. I've titled this message, Working on Worship. Working on Worship. Anybody need to work on your worship? <laughs> We got more people that need some work at the 11.15 than we did at the 9.30, but that's all right. No, it's okay. The 9.30 crowd was just lying. You need to work on, you need to work on your worship. <laughs> work on your worship. I need to work on my worship. So I want to talk to you about working on worship. And we mentioned this last week, and maybe you weren't here, but you can now get, uh, you can either grab one of our notes pages, you can handwrite your notes, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can access all of the message notes through the Bible app. So if you open the Bible app, and down in the bottom right corner, you click More and then click Events, and you'll see Impact Church there. And when you click on Impact Church, it'll pull up our message for today, and you can take notes along with the notes that are in there. Then you can save that, and you can have it archived in that app forever. And so you can go back, and you can access that whenever you want to and look back at it. It's a pretty cool feature that uh, we introduced last week. And so maybe you want to take advantage of that. I don't know. But we'll talk about working on Worship, And I believe that there is one thing that many Christians struggle with, and that is keeping a steady rhythm of worship in our daily lives. We struggle with keeping a rhythm, a steady rhythm of worship in our lives. And have you ever made the decision mentally that you were going to get up and spend time with God? In my mind, Sunday night, church was good. Need to spend more time with Jesus. In my mind, going to do it. Going to get up, set the alarm. 5.30. Going to get up. Some of y'all lost you at 5.30. 5.30. Going to get up. Going to spend time with God. And then you oversleep or you turn the alarm off or you hit snooze 13 times. And before you get up, it's 7.15 and you got just enough time to get in the shower, get dressed, run to work really, really fast. Still five minutes late. Everybody's mad at you. How do you, how do you feel Whenever you've mentally made this decision, like, I'm going to do this. This is something I need to do. I'm going to do this. And then you don't pull it off. A lot of times we feel guilty. We feel like, well, I just, I just missed it today. Like, I'm gonna try, but I'm going to try tomorrow. I'm going to try tomorrow. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to happen tomorrow. You know, I feel bad enough about myself that I'm going to do it tomorrow. How many, of you, how many of you ever felt bad about yourself? How many of you ever felt bad about something that you did and it didn't stop you from doing it again? <laughs> you felt bad? And then you did it again, you felt bad again. You felt, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't work. It's, you got to find a rhythm. you got to find a rhythm. Feeling bad about not spending time with Jesus or feeling bad about not worshiping, feeling bad about missing church, those things are not going not gonna to help you find a rhythm in it. It just makes you feel bad about it, but it doesn't keep you from not doing it again. you got to find a rhythm with these things. Find a rhythm. 
and a lot of times another thing that we equate worship with is New Year's resolutions, something like I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. Anybody ever made that New Year's resolution? This year, 2019, we're going to read the Bible all the way through, and then you get to January 31st, and you're on day 13. And you're like, man, I guess next year is my year. Not going to do it this year. Next year, just no, just keep going. <laughs> just read. Just keep going. You know, don't get so caught up in, well, I've, I'm 13 days behind, 18 days behind, 22 days. How many of you know if you keep reading, you'll eventually finish? <laughs> it may not be in 2019, but you'll eventually finish if you keep on reading. But we equate it, worship, with this idea of a New Year's resolution. But even though our intentions may be good, we haven't discovered the rhythm to spend God Spend time with God daily. We don't, we don't have a rhythm in our lives, and so we, we're so sporadic. Well, today I did, and, and three days ago I didn't, and, well, I feel bad about not doing it yesterday and all of this stuff. And I want to look today at a few verses that John wrote uh, concerning a story that Jesus is a part of. This is when Jesus was on the earth. He was walking in the flesh. And leading up to what we're about to read Jesus has been having this conversation with a Samaritan woman, and many of you have read this story, and if you haven't, I'm going to try to set it up a little bit for you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more after we, we read this conversation. But he's having this, this conversation with a Samaritan woman, and he's just explained things about her life that nobody should know, especially somebody that she's never met before. So she, she's at the well. She's going to get some water. Jesus is there, you know, just happens to be there. Jesus didn't just happen to be there. He knew this was coming. Jesus shows up, and he's having this conversation, and he starts to tell her about things that are going on in her life and things that she's done and, and the way that she's been living and all of this. And she, st and she starts to think, you know, there might be something more to this guy than just somebody that's standing here talking to me. And so she's, she's realizing that he might be somebody that's important, that he might actually know something. And so I want to pick it up in John chapter 4, verse 19. So they've been having this conversation, and then this is what she says. The woman said, Sir... I can see that you are a prophet. Now I've got to stop here. He's telling her all these things, and she's like, okay, sir, I can see. Okay, I can see you're important. I can see that you're a prophet. And then, and then she starts talking to him about worship. Now, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but this happens to me. I don't know if maybe what you do for a, a career, if people, whenever they find out what you do, if things change, like if the atmosphere changes, if the conversation changes. But here's how it goes with me because I'm a pastor. And so I'll be having a conversation with somebody, and they'll find, well, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you? Because that's the well, that's the thing we want to know. Like it's that important, right? Like we, we, like that's my identity is what I do. No, it's not. But we ask that all the time. What do you do? What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, well, yeah, I go to that church over there, um, and it's really good. I like it. You know, pastor's good over there. Whatever. I'm like, we weren't even talking about church. Like, why did the conversation just change? When you found out that I'm a pastor. Can we not just talk about football on a Tuesday? <laughs> Can we not just talk about the college football playoff rankings that come out every Tuesday night? Bless God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And even when you find out that I'm a pastor, that you don't freak out like, okay. And I don't know if that ever happens to you, but this is what, like, picture yourself there. Jesus is there. He's having a conversation. He starts to tell her things about her life, and all of a sudden she's like, Oh, I can see. Okay, sir. I can see that you must be somebody important. So let's talk about worship, you know. Let's talk let's talk about, you know, let's talk about something you you're familiar with, you know, and and we try to fit fit into the category of what that person is that we're talking to. And so she goes on verse 20, she says, "Our fathers worshiped on this mountain." 
but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where people must worship. Jesus said, believe me, woman, now don't talk that way <laughs> to, the, to the women in your life. Just giving you some godly wisdom. Uh, but this is Jesus. You're not Jesus, even though we're trying to be like Jesus. Um, Jesus can get away with this. You cannot. And there's even an exclamation, exclamation point after this. Believe me, woman. Listen here, woman. The time is coming when you will not have to be in Jerusalem or on this mountain to worship the Father. You Samaritans worship something you don't understand. We Jews understand what we worship since salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Somebody say true worshipers. In fact, that time is now here, and these are the kind of people the Father wants to be his worshipers. God is spirit, so the people who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. She's not fully getting it yet. He is the one called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, he is talking to you now. I am the Messiah. We'll stop there and talk about this idea of worship and working on worship. And just to get a little bit of the context, uh, one of the things we didn't read or we did read um, is that she's explaining to him the differences between Samaritans and Jews. Because back in that day, uh, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. Samaritans didn't talk to Jews. They were just at odds with each other. It just wasn't going to happen. And Jesus just strolls up in a Samaritan town and starts talking to a Samaritan woman. And she starts explaining to him, well, we believe this, and you believe that, and you have to worship here, and we have to worship here. And do you understand that we're different, that this isn't, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be? I don't even really understand why you're talking to me right now. And she's, she's trying to explain to Jesus why they're different. And why worship is different. And she's sharing all of this stuff with Jesus. And then Jesus is explaining to her, I love this. Jesus is explaining to her that, that because he has come to earth and because he is standing there right in front of her, that no longer will worship be confined to a location. Now you need to get this. I'm, you really need to get this. Jesus, because she's explaining like we're supposed to worship here. You're supposed to worship here. You know, we don't agree, we don't believe the same thing. And then Jesus says, listen, listen, woman. <laughs> listen, because I'm here, she's like, I know, I know the Messiah's coming, he's going to explain everything. No, Jesus says, no, I'm here right now. I'm here right now. And because I'm standing here right now, everything's about to change. Everything's about to change. And worship is no longer going to be confined to a place, to a location, to a style. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I'm about to change everything. So for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to give you one, one point, and we're going to kind of build off of it and talk about it for a few minutes. And this is, this is a game-changing principle for our lives. I like to talk about principles a lot of times because if we, apply, if we apply these principles that God has already put in place, then it makes our lives better. Then we get life to the fullest that Jesus promised. And sometimes we're wondering, like, Jesus, you said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you came to give life and life to the fullest. Why am I not experiencing life to the fullest? Well, my question would be, are you applying the principles that get you that? 
are you applying the things that are going to get you the results that you want? Because you are, your patterns and the things that you're doing right now are perfectly designed to get you the result you're getting right now. So if you want a different result, you've got to change the equation. You've got to change the equation. And so I want to talk about this principle just one today, and I believe this is what Jesus was in essence, he was saying to the Samaritan woman and what he's saying to us today. And it's this simple point right here. It's that worship is a lifestyle. We've got to get this. Worship is a lifestyle. This is in essence what Jesus was saying. You're not going to have to go over there and worship. I'm not going to have to be over here and worship. It's not going to be a certain style. It's not going to be a certain way. Worship is a lifestyle. Jesus said, I came, and because I'm here, I'm changing the game. Worship is a lifestyle. Now, is there anybody in the room that works out or exercises? Okay, once a year. Anybody work out, exercise once a year? <laughs> January 1st, you're in the gym. So, for those of us that exercise or work out, or maybe you've been before, <laughs> if... If you were, let's just, let's, let's take ourselves there. Let's, let's put it in perspective. If you get up like me and you get up and you put on a certain type of clothes and you either eat a certain thing or you drink some kind of protein shake or whatever and you're getting ready and you're going to go to the gym before you go to work or whatever it is and you, you're going to go. I'm ready. Got my earbuds. If you're like me, you got to get, like, I will drive back home to get my earbuds and go back to the gym because I don't want to listen to everything going on in there. I want to listen to what I want to listen to, right? So, you got your earbuds, you got your outfit on, you know, you're looking good, looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, you're turning sideways, you know, yeah, still got about 10 pounds to go, going to the gym, and you get there, and this doesn't happen so much anymore, because gyms are 24-7, a lot of them now, but just, let's just imagine, for the sake of this, for the sake of this topic, you get dressed, you get ready, you drink your shake, you go to the gym, you pull up, it's closed, <laughs> it's closed, and so you start to get frustrated. You start to get frustrated. Like we do a lot of times when we're expecting something and we don't get what we're expecting. I'm expecting to be able to walk into this gym and that's where I'm going to exercise and that's where I'm going to do my thing and that's where I'm going to get fit and that's where I'm going to grow some muscle and I want to be in the gym. And you get there and it's closed. Now, what, what, what many of us would do is we would skip working out. We would be mad about it, but we would skip working out. We would go back home. We would change our clothes, get ready for work. Well, I got some extra time today, so I don't know what I'm going to do. But, and we would skip working out altogether because the gym wasn't open. Because we associate working out and exercising with a place. And when the place wasn't available, then I just skipped working out. I skipped exercising. When in reality, the easiest thing to do is if you're going to go get on the treadmill at a gym and go pay somebody $50 a month to use their treadmill, you could just go outside. Now, we pay a gym membership, so I'm not, you know, condemning all of us in the room that pay a membership to go. It keeps me disciplined. But in reality, you can exercise at home. You're already dressed. Just go out on the road. <laughs> and start running on the road. Do your exercising there. Just because the gym was closed dis didn't make it to where you couldn't exercise. You just chose not to exercise because you associated exercising with a place. And when the place isn't available, 
I don't exercise. How many of us associate worship with church? And when I'm not at church, I just don't worship. When I'm not in the building and they didn't sing my song, And we, a lot of us, we view worship as the last two songs in a worship set on a Sunday. And that is part of worship. But what I want you to understand is that worship, see, Jesus changed it all. Worship is a lifestyle. And just because the gym was closed doesn't mean I can't exercise. Just because I'm not at church doesn't mean I can't worship. But a lot of times we associate worship with a place. We do this in our lives. And you can run outside. You can do push-ups if the bench press isn't available. You can do all kinds of things. You don't have to be at the gym. It's not confined to a location. Or maybe you can relate to this, how we have a tendency this time of year. Come on, we're like six, seven weeks away from the end of the year, which blows my mind. Uh, So we're really close to 2019, and everybody's already, come on, you know, everybody's already starting to think about 2019. Well, I'm going to do things different in 2019. I'm going to get in church regularly in 2019. First Sunday in January, I am there. I'm going. I am, oh, and then the next week, I'm there. I'm going. Like, the only time time I'm not going is is if I'm really, really sick. And we start start making these promises to ourselves, and we start thinking about everything we're going to do in 2019. We're going to begin to budget in 2019. I'm going to budget in 2019. Now, over the next six weeks, I'm going to get in a whole bunch of debt. But I'm going to budget in 2019. And this is what we do a lot of times. We make a plan to get out of the debt that we have not even gotten into yet, that we know we're about to get into. Well, I know it's just Christmas season. I just got to get those things that, you know, I just got to get them what they want that they'll probably use for a month, and then they won't even know where it's at, and got to buy them the clothes that they're probably going to take back anyway because they don't fit right or wasn't exactly what they wanted. And so I'm stressing myself out, and I'm probably going to spend like $3,000 just buying everybody all this stuff. Got to get stuff for my kids. Got to get stuff for my wife. Got to do all this stuff. And so I know, like, I'm going to spend all this money. I don't really have it, and so I'm going to put it on a credit card, but I'm going to make a plan. I'll make a plan. And so in 2019, I'm going to be about $5,000 in debt. But i got to figure out a plan on how I can pay it off in 12 months because the 0% interest is only for 12 months. And if I go past the 12 months, then all that interest is going to pile on, and then i got to go get another card to transfer everything onto that so that I can keep making my – so I'm trying to make – I'm making a plan to go into debt to then get out of debt in 2019. And we do we do this all the time. It's because we associate there is something about a new year. And I love new beginnings and, and new year and and I'm looking forward to Vision Weekend and I hope you are too. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a great, great year for you and for our church. But I can't live for 2019. I can't just start right now thinking, well, I hope it's better in 2019. I guess I'm just going to do whatever for the next seven weeks. And then, you know, it's got to get through the holidays and get through Christmas and get through all that stuff. And no, you don't have to wait until 2019. Well, we're going to begin to budget in 2019. We're going we're gonna to go to church regularly in 2019. We're going to start, we're gonna start focusing on finding the positive in every situation in 2019. 
I'm going to be negative in December. <laughs> but I'm going to find the positive in 20, 2019. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to be positive about things. And it's because we associate these things, we associate it with a fresh start in the next year. So we don't work on it now. We make plans to work on it in two months. Because we associate it with a time. We associate it with a place. I'm going to spend more family time in 2019. We associate it with a time and a place. And I believe that God, I believe that God is trying to get our attention in this, these areas of work, rest, and worship. Because I think somewhere along the way we've gotten off. We, we work too much and we never rest, or we rest all the time and we're not hardworking, or we don't understand that worship is not confined to a location or to a certain time of the week. And I think God is wanting to remind us as we close out this year that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not a place. Worship is not a thing. Worship is a lifestyle. It's every single day. It's not just reserved for church. And so I want to give you some examples of what this might look like practically in your life. Maybe you can relate to some of these. I don't know. But worship should be in the way you speak. Did you know the way that you speak to yourself or to other people is a form of worship? Because God gave you breath. God gave you everything that you have. And so the way that you use those things, that's a form of worship. The way that you speak. Worship should be in the way that you treat your spouse. Woo! I might hang out here for about 37 seconds. And then I'm moving on so you don't get too mad at me. Did you know that the way that you treat your spouse is a form of worship? The way that you treat the person that you're married to is a form of worship to God. It's a way that, it's a way that you're worshiping God in the way that you're treating other people around you. Worship can be done at home. Worship can be done at church. Worship can be done in your car, on the way to work, on the way to the gym, wherever you're going. When you work hard, like working for the Lord, that's a form of worship. We talked about this last week, that hard work is important. Hard work is also a form of worship. You worship God by working hard as if you're working for him. It's the way that you worship. Here's, here's another thing. The way that you rest is a form of worship. So you got to work hard and rest well. So the way that you rest is a form of worship. So when you take that day off and you sit back in that, that, that recliner or that big oversized chair. I don't know. I like those big oversized chairs. I don't know if you do. But that big oversized chair with the ottoman. When you decide, you know what, I'm going to honor God with today. I'm going to give this day to God. I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to stress about things. I'm going to just say, God, I trust you. I've worked hard this week, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. I'm going to honor you with this day. That's a way that you're worshiping God because it's a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. Thanking God for your food. Just getting real practical. Thanking God for your food because it all came from him anyway. Sometimes we get in this mindset, this consumption assumption. We assume that everything that comes our way is for our benefit, for us to consume. 
when a lot of what God's giving us is for us to give it away or to be thankful. A lot of us, we're driving down the road, we're not thankful for the car that we're driving because we saw the other one in the other lane that we really want. And so we want that car and not the car that we have. And so we're not thanking God for what he's already given us. And God can't give you more because you're not stewarding well what you already have. And so you're complaining about what God has not given you when God is saying, if you will learn how to steward what I've given you well, then I can trust you with more and I can give you more because I know that you'll use it in the way that I intend for you to use it and it'll be an overflow from your life and not something that you just consume everything that I give you. That was a mouthful. (laughs) Thanking God while you're driving down the road, thanking him for what you have, serving someone else is an act of worship. Serving God, we say it a lot around here. It's, It's kind of our terminology as a church that we serve God by serving other people. We're going to serve God by serving other people because that's what God's called us to do. So I'm going to serve God by serving you. You're going to serve God by serving the people around you. We're going to serve God by serving people in our community because it's an act of worship. It's a way that we worship God. And I want to encourage you today to stop looking at your job as a manager, if you're a manager, as something separate from worship to God. Stop compartmentalizing what you do separate from worship. If you're a manager, you need to manage the heck out of that thing. Because this is what God has given me to do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because in the way that I do this is the way that I'm worshiping God. Because worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And don't think that staying at home with those kids is something separate from worship to God. And this is what, those of you that stay at home with kids, this is what you do a lot of times. What do you do? Well, I just stay at home with kids. No, you don't just stay at home with, you don't just stay at home with kids. That is the hardest job on the planet. And you don't make anything. (laughs) But why do we separate the fact that I just stay at home with the kids from worship? Because you are pouring into those kids, and you are teaching those kids, and you are training those kids, and you are raising those kids. That is worship to God. God has given you those kids. They don't even have to be your kids. Maybe you're a teacher. You need to teach to the best of your ability like you're teaching, like their life depends on your teaching. Because you're worshiping God in the way that you do it. Because worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not the last two songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. Worship is your life. We worship God with our life and everything that we do. If you're an accountant, don't separate that from worship to God. Whatever you do, don't separate it because worship is a lifestyle. I'm going to bring the worship team back out. It's funny we're talking about worship and calling them the worship team. Worship should be within every aspect of our daily routine. In everything. See, here's what we do, and I want you to, I want you to get this, and I'm going to make a couple of statements, and then we're going to sing and pray, and, and then we'll leave, okay? So just so you know where we're going. You just got to just hang in there with me for a few more minutes, all right? A few more minutes. Here's what we do a lot of times. We have a box for work, and a box for rest, and a box for worship. And we're frustrated because we can't find a rhythm. We can't find a rhythm. 
And the reason I think we can't find a rhythm sometimes is because we're in the work box and it's like, whoo, working, working hard, working hard, doing this for Jesus, working hard, working hard, working hard. And I'll take a day of rest, you know, if I have time. I'll take a day. I would take a day of rest, but we got to get this done over here. I would take a day of rest, but when I, when I have a day off, I got to get something done around the house or I got to go out and fix that fence or I got to do this. I would take, I would open that box over there, but I'm in this box right here, but I, I want to be in that box over there, but I'll get in that box over there when I have time, when things slow down, when things work out, you know, but right now I'm in this and, and, and then we come on Sunday and we open up our worship box and okay, whew, trying to, trying to get there mentally and trying to worship and trying to get in the mode, you know, and so they sing the first song and we're like, okay, you know, I'm kind of feeling it, you know, second song, that was a little bit better, you know, you're good, woo, God, you're good. And then we get to the last song, it's like closer to your heart. And then by the time we get done with worship, we're like, oh man, I hate that it's over because I'm just kind of getting into that place where I'm, I'm feeling God's presence and I'm worshiping. And, and then we go back. See, we're trying to jump from box to box to box to box to box and, and associate it with a place, with a time, with a thing. So this is my work box. This is when I work. And this is my rest box. This is, this is, this is when I'm going to rest if I have time. And this is my worship box, which I do on Sunday. And what God is trying to help us understand is that they're all three in one box. Yeah. And the box is called your life. And if you keep trying to separate work and rest and worship and not allow them to work together in your life, you're going to constantly be frustrated and constantly be thinking, why can I not balance this? Why can I not work hard and rest well and worship God with my life? Why can I not do all that? It's because, it's because you've compartmentalized everything individually, and God said it doesn't work that way. Worship is a lifestyle. That means worship is in your work. That means worship is in your rest. That means worship is at church. That means worship is driving in the car. That means worship is when you're hanging out with your family. You're spending time with your family, doing something fun. You're worshiping God. Because worship is not a thing that I do. Worship is who I am. I am going to worship God with my life in every aspect of my life. And so I realized that there's just this big box that's called life. And worship's in there. Work is in there. Rest is in there. The kids are in there. My spouse is in there. My car is in there. My house is in there. This is my life. And I'm going to worship God in every area of my life worship is not something i do on sundays god i hope you're getting this worship is not something i do on a sunday at 9 30 or 11 15 worship is a part of my life everything yeah. that i do That's right. i'm worshiping god yeah. in everything yeah. and if we can if we can get this if we can realize that it's all in one box and stop trying to separate it out then we'll find a rhythm We'll find a rhythm. We'll, we'll figure out, man, I can worship God while I work. I can worship God while I'm sitting in the chair. I can worship God at church. I can worship God driving down the road. I can worship God when we're at the zoo with our kids. I can worship God when we're at that dance recital. I can worship God no matter where I'm at. I can worship God because worship is my lifestyle. So I'm going to worship God everywhere that I go. Everywhere that I go. And we'll find a rhythm. I want to give you two things that you can write down and then we'll stand up and and sing one final song but here's the big takeaway from today's message that I want you to get if you don't get anything else it's this the most important factor in becoming a worshiper is to guard and cultivate your heart for God so if you want to be what 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 Jesus was talking about when he was talking to the Samaritan woman you want to be a true worshiper it begins and it ends with cultivating your heart for God not an event but cultivating your heart for God, we can even say it this way. Maybe you want to write this down. Worship is not as much about an event as it is your heart. Because when worship is a lifestyle, my heart, it's my, there's my heart. 
It's my heart. I'm going to worship you. How am I worshiping you? I just, I, I felt like God laid it on my heart to, to pay for that, to pay for your meal. And so I paid for your meal. That's worship. Yeah. That's worship. Yeah. Sitting at the office and I just felt like, man, I just need to take a few moments. I need to pray for some reason. This person's on my mind. I just need to pray for them. That's worship. Because worship is a lifestyle. Worship is about your life. It's not compartmentalized into these different boxes. It's all in one box. And we worship God with our lives. We worship Him with our lives. I want you to stand today. It is possible to find a rhythm in work and rest and worship. But it all starts with your heart. It all starts with with. God having your heart, cultivating a heart that says, you know what, I'm going to worship God in everything that I do. Everything that I do. Because a lot of times we say this, like, well, you can't say that in church. And I make this comment sometimes too, just joking. But have you ever really stopped to think about that? What is church? This whole thing is about your heart. So when we're making this comment, well, I wouldn't say that at church. Well, then should you say it? At all? See, what you're doing is you're compartmentalizing. You've got your box for how you're going to how you're gonna live your life. And then you've got your box for how you're going to act at church. And you've got to understand that it's all together. It's all together. And you can't separate it. When you try to separate it, you get frustrated. And then you start living two lives and all this. It's, it's all together. Worship is a lifestyle. Amen? God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for every person that's here. God, I pray that you're speaking to our hearts today, not just our ears. Lord, that this would be something that in this series, God, that this would be something that we would take to heart. Lord, that we would begin to cultivate and guard our heart. Our heart that wants to worship you. Not just worship you on a Sunday, but worship you in everything that we do, in every area of our lives. When we're at work, when we're resting, when we're with our kids, when we're with our friends, no matter where we go, we are worship. God, help us to desire to be true worshipers true worshipers and to understand that that it's all together it's all a part of our lives work and rest and kids and spouse and worship all of this god we just want to worship you in everything that we do we worship you with our lives today i want to invite our prayer team to come down god i thank you for every week that we have an opportunity to receive prayer god we all need prayer from time to time and god i don't know what people are dealing with today Maybe it's something to do with this area of work and rest and worship. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a relationship that is strained. Maybe there there could be anything going on, God. Maybe it's a health issue. Lord, I pray that as we begin to sing this final song, that we would worship you. And part of worshiping you might be us coming down because we just need somebody to encourage us. We need somebody to pray for us. We need somebody to be there for us and believe with us. So, God, I pray. That, that we would worship you in this last song. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person today who needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.